For most of 2021, daily coronavirus vaccine rates in the U.S. were growing. But recently, that's changed. Vaccine demand is falling sharply, and this has public health experts concerned about reaching possible herd immunity. Health officials concerned as demand declines for COVID-19 vaccines, thousands of doses going unused across the country. The pace of those shots becoming available is now surpassing the demand across the country. This as more and more people remain skeptical about the doses. The number of people getting vaccinated each day in the U.S. has decreased over the past few weeks. Demand has declined. Many Americans are hesitant or resistant to getting vaccinated. And it's been hard to reach people in rural areas and seniors who can't leave their homes. Regardless, President Biden seems undeterred in his efforts to get the country vaccinated. In a speech Tuesday, the president said his administration will aim for 70 percent of U.S. adults to have at least one shot by July 4th. Two months from today, families across the country are going to celebrate the 4th of July. Our goal by July 4th is to have 70 percent of adult Americans at least one shot and 160 million Americans fully vaccinated. That means giving close to 100. And this is all happening as countries around the world are struggling to get enough vaccine doses to fight the pandemic on their own turf. India is facing a severe outbreak with thousands of deaths per day, breaking global records of daily case numbers. Over the past few months, the Biden administration has been prioritizing the coronavirus response at home. But they also know the virus's spread and mutation overseas will eventually pose risks to Americans, too. That knowledge, in part, drove their decision this week to commit to waiving vaccine patent protections, a move that could allow other countries to create generic versions of their own vaccines. So, as the president lays out a new vaccine strategy at home, how much can Biden also do to help curb the spread of coronavirus around the world? And what do the challenges with U.S. vaccine hesitancy mean for supply here and abroad? This is Can He Do That, a podcast that explores the powers and limitations of American government in a time of deep division. I'm Allison Michaels. Well, I think what's happening is we are reaching what public health experts had worried would be the tipping point, that the Americans who wanted to get shots went and did it. And a lot of Americans who were hesitant or frankly opposed to getting vaccinated, those are the Americans now who need to be reached. And many of them are still pretty wary. That's Dan Diamond, national health reporter for The Washington Post. So the number of shots has decreased and we're starting to see in some states so much stockpile, so much buildup of doses that aren't being used that in the case of Arkansas, they said last week to the federal government, don't send us any more shots. We have all that we need. We want to use what we have on hand. What are some of the reasons that you've found in your reporting that people aren't racing to get shots anymore? You know, I've been reporting on this population for a couple months, going back to February and March. And I think that some of the people who were nervous then are less nervous now. There has been a decrease, but the reasons have been pretty constant. There are Americans who worry that the vaccine was developed too quickly, that the normal process to develop a vaccine usually takes years and years. The fastest vaccine on record before this one was the mumps vaccine, which took about four years to develop. The coronavirus vaccine was developed in under a year. So it makes sense to me that there would be questions about it. And the answer that doctors and experts give 
we were able to develop this vaccine faster because a lot of dead space, a lot of red tape was cut. The the months that might have been spent waiting for things to be processed, we got rid of them. But that question comes up over and over again. I think another concern that comes up quite a bit is that people who are hesitant to getting vaccinated may believe that the coronavirus itself is overblown. Either they got it and didn't have severe effects, they know friends or family who got the virus, didn't seem to knock them down, or they believe even more broadly that the virus and all of the attention last year was part of a political campaign to take then-President Donald Trump down. And as a result, disproportionately, Republicans are more hesitant than others because they have a more politicized view of the virus and the resulting vaccine. Is it just Republicans that make up a demographic profile as far as vaccine skeptics go, or are we seeing hesitancy in other kinds of populations? There have been communities of color, Black Americans, Hispanic Americans, where there was significant wariness too around the vaccine, especially at the beginning. Some of that has fallen. It's still higher than it might be among, say, white Americans. But there's also a crossover with vaccine access in places where there might not be nearby pharmacies, nearby places to get vaccinated, where people who don't have a strong relationship with their local doctor and health workers, they may also be disproportionately wary just because they don't have that ongoing ease that others might have to going and getting the shot. So why is vaccine hesitancy so concerning to public health officials? I think there are a couple ways to answer that. The push to get the nation immunized is number one on President Biden's agenda. It's number one on public health experts' agenda. We have been in the throes of this virus for over a year. Anything we can do to move past it, to get to a level of immunity where the virus isn't spreading, that is a major win for public health, for policy, for getting the nation back to where we were or more closely to where we were before the pandemic. I think a second reason is because we know that this virus can mutate. It already has. Some of the mutations have made it either more severe in people who have contracted the variant forms of coronavirus or it has spread more easily. The fear is if we have a significant population in America of people who aren't vaccinated and are still vulnerable, the virus could take hold in them, mutate further, and then we could see a new form of coronavirus emerge that challenges even people who have been vaccinated. So the more we can do to curb that risk, that is also driving this push. What is the administration doing at this point to address this hesitancy among some of the population to get vaccinated? That's a good question because there's only so much President Biden can do to win over, say, hesitant Republicans. There's evidence that politicians making appeals doesn't work all that well, sometimes even within their own parties. I have watched focus groups that Frank Luntz, a Republican pollster, has convened for the past few months. And back in March, Frank Luntz brought in a bunch of prominent Republicans. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, the top Republican in the House, he made the case to vaccine-hesitant Trump voters, look, get this shot. It's something that President Trump worked on. I'm a Republican leader. I'm encouraging you to do this. His appeal fell largely flat. So if you're looking at President Biden, he only has so many powers to get behind a podium and encourage Americans to go get the shot. What the administration is trying to do is work through proxies. They have what's known as the Community Corps. It's a group of advocacy organizations, volunteers, 
I went and shadowed the Washington, D.C. version of the community core the other day. People went door to door just encouraging folks to either go get their shots or giving them information about how the vaccines worked. The hope is that local leaders, pastors, doctors, people who might have community prominence can help with that last mile. I think the other piece is the administration is trying to encourage health system changes, whether through direct funding or new policy, helping set up, say, walk-in clinics where people can go and get shots, or encouraging pharmacies to make it easier for people to just show up and get vaccinated rather than having to go through systems online to sign up. So is the reality then for the administration that we in this country will have too many vaccines and not enough people who will want to use them? Is that going to result in something like unused doses or wasted doses? So we have a lot of doses that we're not using, vaccines like AstraZeneca that haven't gotten authorization yet to be used in America. And some of those doses may be sent overseas now because we have this surplus. But the U.S. is in a point where we've given out almost 250 million total shots and nearly 150 million Americans have gotten at least one dose so far. So in terms of total shots compared to other countries, the United States is looking really good. The issue of are we going to get to this point in the coming weeks of having even more surplus while the rest of the world looks on and envy, I think that's absolutely at the front of Biden officials' minds, especially people who work in international aid or in global diplomacy, how to balance what we're doing here in this country with the needs of the world that is still in the throes of the virus. I very much want to talk more about that. But before we get there, can you just help me understand why it is that these vaccine doses are going unused? Besides the fact that the supply is greater than the demand, why is it then that these doses can't immediately be shipped to other parts of the country that might need them more or other areas where demand is higher or even immediately sent overseas if they're approaching an expiration deadline? Why is it that waste is resulting from this excess supply? So I think it's important to put in context what waste really means. There was a story in Kaiser Health News this week about some of the pharmacies that had wasted, I think it was 200,000 doses in the first three months of the vaccination campaign in the United States. Now, 200,000 wasted doses, that sounds like a lot. I mean, 200,000 doses, that's, that's like the size of some small cities, right? But in context, 200,000 wasted doses in the first three months of a campaign where 100 and 80 million, 190 million shots were administered, it's minuscule. And I think the amount of waste has been pretty small so far. Another reason why it's maybe harder to take shots that may have been distributed to states and then pack them up and ship them elsewhere, you're already working on a clock. If the vaccine doses have been shipped to a state, if there's special preparation in terms of freezers to keep them cool. It's just that much more of a burden to say, pull them out of Florida or Georgia, and then send them over to Oregon or Washington State on the West Coast. So the more that can be done up front to avoid that situation, the better. And the Biden administration this week, which my colleague Isaac Stanley Becker detailed quite well, has decided to change what states will be getting. If they can't use their doses, then they won't be getting as many more. And that is prompted by the moment that we find ourselves in. 
While unused doses and vaccine hesitancy are big problems facing the Biden administration here in the U.S., countries abroad, like India, are facing a completely different picture. In India, you had this degree of of complacency where this government, like many governments, was keen to pat itself on the back, and it repeatedly chose self-congratulation over caution. And when cases fell to a very low level in January and February, the government was keen to foster the perception that, that the worst was was behind us. The Post's India Bureau Chief Joanna Slater spoke to my colleague Martine Powers about the powerful resurgence of cases in India that's crippling the country's healthcare system. Joanna explained how things in India got so much worse as U.S. case numbers moved in the opposite direction. It was becoming clear in February that something was starting to change, that cases were starting to rise, and you were getting these outbreaks that appeared to show the influence of a variant that had a higher level of transmissibility. And then by March, cases were rising around the country. And I remember interviewing an epidemiologist in that moment, in kind of the middle of March. And she said, it's clear the tidal wave is coming. It would be stupid not to kind of prepare for it. So this is the moment, knowing what we know, having lived through everything we've lived through, over this past year or more that I think the government really had a choice. There was a massive Hindu religious festival scheduled to draw millions of people at the end of March. Starting at the end of March, it went ahead as planned. There were state elections in March and April with massive rallies. They went ahead as planned. There was this kind of cognitive dissonance. I remember one day in particular in early April where you had health officials giving a press conference telling people to remember COVID appropriate behavior, to avoid crowds and to socially distance. And then you had the prime minister addressing massive crowded rallies. And honestly, seeing those images, you would be forgiven for thinking, how bad can it be? Well, you know, now, now we know. If you're looking for a smoking gun, I can absolutely guarantee you, you will not find it. In October 2001, a series of letters filled with a deadly powder called anthrax were dropped into the U.S. mail system. What started as an unprecedented case turned into an unsettling mystery. Who sent these deadly letters and why? From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, I'm Josh Dean, and this is Cover Up Season 4, The Anthrax Threat, available now. The circumstances in India have become dire. So what can the U.S. do to help? And what has the Biden administration done up to this point? Here's health reporter Dan Diamond again. After considerable pressure, the Biden administration has vowed to send millions of doses of AstraZeneca vaccine to India, as well as other supplies and aid. So India is front of the line now 
but Ukraine is pushing for vaccine doses. And there are other countries that want aid too. We in the United States have more than half of adults vaccinated. And while President Biden has set a goal of getting 70% of adults with at least one shot by July 4th, that seems pretty doable. But if you're looking around the world, countries like India, they're at 8% of people vaccinated, counting kids. South Africa, which I talked to some South African advocates recently, they're at 0.5% of all people vaccinated. And those countries are looking at months or years to get to the level that we are in the U.S. So while the U.S. will have some doses to donate, this can't just be countries getting in line waiting for charity from the Biden administration. There's a deeper question of where are all these doses going to come from in our pharmaceutical companies producing enough to immunize the world. And just from a public health perspective, why do some inside the administration think that helping India curb their coronavirus problem is important to dealing with the U.S. battle with the virus? Well, it's been said so often, it's almost a cliche, but a virus outbreak anywhere could be a virus outbreak everywhere. If it spreads quickly in one country, we know that coronavirus can then jump elsewhere and again, can mutate and pose new challenges. And I think it goes beyond public health. We are at a moment where the Biden administration is trying to rebuild the nation's standing on the global stage. A lot was lost during the Trump administration. So if vaccine diplomacy is a way to regain some of that stature, especially as China and Russia offer their own vaccines, that is also pushing people in, say, the State Department to really want the U.S. to take more of a role than we have so far. The Biden administration did make one move this week in an effort to help global vaccine distribution. They committed to waiving patent restrictions on coronavirus vaccines. And that's a promise that Biden actually had made as far back as the campaign trail. So can you explain what this waiver does and why the administration decided to do this now? Since last year, India and South Africa have pushed a proposal in front of the World Trade Organization that would lift a lot of intellectual property protections around medical products related to coronavirus through the duration of the pandemic. So this temporary waiver of patent protections and other IP protections that in theory, these countries argue, would allow for rapid production of generic vaccines. So to make it more real, rather than wait for Pfizer or AstraZeneca to produce millions of doses, some manufacturer in Bangladesh could set up her own factory and produce millions of doses that could be used to help immunize that country. So that proposal has been kicking around for months. The United States has been among the countries blocking that proposal for a few reasons. There's an argument that loosening the IP protections will make more of a free-for-all in the rush to create vaccines at a moment when making a vaccine is very complicated. There are hundreds of components in some of these vaccines. It goes beyond even the vaccine itself, but the technology to produce the vaccine, the ingredients are hard to come by. One of the complicating issues of the so-called waiving the patents is that by the time you then get set up to get the technology transferred to other countries to be able to do it, you may be going into the end of 2022, the beginning of 2023 at which point a lot of people will have died. So I'm not the fear is, at least articulated by the pharma industry, that if there are all sorts of new competitors jumping in trying to make vaccines, there's going to be a global rush 
on the limited ingredients and expertise, and it will slow the gears for making all vaccines for everybody. So that's been one issue. A second issue is the long-running implications of getting rid of intellectual property protections. And there are some in the Biden administration who have said, we don't want to make this amazing mRNA vaccine technology that was funded in part by Operation Warp Speed, billions of dollars in taxpayer investment. We don't want to now give it away where countries like China and Russia will take advantage of it and potentially use this vaccine technology in great public health ways, or maybe it falls into the wrong hands. So there are both public health concerns as well as long-running business interest and national security arguments that have helped hinder this decision for months. Is there anything else that the White House could be doing to increase vaccine supply to other countries, specifically to India or really to, to any country suffering at this point? Well, the argument from the pharmaceutical industry is the Biden administration should be helping pharmaceutical companies figure out where to get more ingredients, how to build up more capacity. So that's one argument, that if we just build on what is working and help the pharmaceutical companies that are making coronavirus vaccines, help supercharge them, that will help immunize the world faster. I think another argument is that maybe the Biden administration puts some funding behind building factories around the globe. So if you are that manufacturer in Bangladesh or South Africa or India, and the U.S. is coming in and offering funding to build up more production, that might help speed things. We certainly saw that in earlier public health outbreaks dating back decades, where the U.S. was helping provide the infrastructure to protect the world from public health threats, and coronavirus is the biggest threat in a century. All right. So then to bring these two pieces of the story together that we've been talking about, how has vaccine hesitancy in the U.S. factored into the administration's goals about global vaccine distribution? How are the two things related? So the White House has a devoted team to the coronavirus response. The team is very focused on the domestic response, getting America immunized against the virus. And the White House argument has been, we kind of need to protect ourselves before we start worrying about the rest of the world. We don't want to be in a position where we've given away all our surplus doses and then there's some horrible wrinkle that leaves the United States vulnerable. So the fact that there's as much vaccine hesitancy as there has been, that has slowed the effort to then pivot globally. If we had been perhaps a little faster, if the U.S. was 15% more immunized than we are as you and I are talking, it would be that much easier, I think, for the White House to confront the global challenges. But the focus has been get us to a good place and then worry about the world. And what global health experts have said is we need to be doing more in parallel. All right, Dan, thank you so much for your time. Allison, thank you so much for having me. This has been another episode of Can He Do That? Thanks so much for listening. Can He Do That? is a team effort here at The Post. It's produced by Arjun Singh and Sharla Freeland with logo art from Greg Manifold and theme music by Ted Muldoon. 